Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to this month's uh, edition of the podcast, uh, Sweet Talking. This month, uh, we're going to touch upon uh, a recent report which has come out for diabetes care in England. And this has been based on more than 100 visits across diabetes hospitals uh, in the country. Um, It's been a fantastic experience going through so many hospitals, meeting so many colleagues, um, looking through data, discussing options to improve care. And to talk you further through this particular area, uh, and before I give my own personal views as to what the next steps are, I'm going to introduce my compatriot as well as colleague who has been a fantastic colleague along the way and somebody who uh, has helped me throughout this journey. And it's been fun working together. So without further ado, uh, Professor Jerry Raymond. Hello, I'm delighted to be able to tell you about the GERF report on diabetes. The process involved visiting diabetes teams around the country to discuss with them the data which we had obtained from various databases, which gives an idea of their performance in terms of outcomes, as well as to discuss the feedback on the questionnaire we had previously sent regarding their provision of diabetes services. It was a real pleasure to be welcomed by so many enthusiastic teams with the desire to improve their diabetes services. We came across very impressive diabetes teamwork, delivering excellent diabetes care, but sadly, this wasn't always the case. It became obvious the key elements to delivering a good service are excellent clinical leadership, close teamworking, support by the management, the common goal of delivering a patient-centered service. Now, we could have examined lots of different aspects of diabetes care, but we focused on the three areas which we felt needed the greatest improvement. The first was inpatient diabetes care, second type 1 diabetes and transitional service, and the third foot care. In all three, there were great variations in services across the country. So if we take inpatient diabetes services, key to delivering good care on the wards is having an inpatient diabetes specialist nurse. There are still many trusts that have no inpatient diabetes specialist nurse. It is also important to be able to identify all people who are admitted with diabetes. In many hospitals, including some large teaching hospitals, the systems are just not in place to identify everyone with diabetes on admission. The first that they would know of a patient with diabetes is when the patient has gone into diabetic ketoacidosis or hypoglycemic coma. That type of service is reactive, and what we need to have is proactive diabetes care. This can be supported by web-linked blood glucose meters. These allow remote viewing of the blood glucose values, allowing the diabetes specialist nurses to identify those with out-of-range blood glucose values, and so prevent hypoglycemia and severe hyperglycemia. Unfortunately, many trusts do not have such web-linked systems, and even if they do have them in place, they do not configure them to be able to identify out-of-range blood glucose. For the type 1 services, there were large variations in care. We were shocked to find a large number of trusts that looked after only a small fraction of the type 1 population, the majority being looked after in primary care. There is no doubt that some practices 
deliver excellent type 1 diabetes care, but this is not the majority. It soon became apparent that a large number of people with type 1 diabetes not receiving the services that they should expect. These include lack of structured education and access to diabetes technologies such as CGM and flash glucose monitoring. The other area of concern for type 1 diabetes was the lack of transitional services. Now there are some areas delivering excellent transitional services such as Poole and Liverpool, but in many trusts there are no transitional clinics. One person simply joins the adult clinic, which is inappropriate in this day and age. And finally, foot services. For many years, we've worked on trying to improve the number of multidisciplinary foot services in trusts across the country. Unfortunately, still some 20% of hospitals do not have a multidisciplinary foot service. The other aspect of foot care is having a foot protection team manned by the community podiatrists, and again, in many areas, these do not exist. Finally, we had concern about uh, the lack of education in primary care around foot screening and also the referral pathway uh, based on the traffic light system. Many CCGs did not consider this a priority. This is a shame considering the morbidity and mortality associated with diabetic foot disease and the very high cost, one pound in every hundred spent in the NHS. So I hope you found this interesting. You can see that there's an awful lot of work to be done. There is much more detail in the GERFT report and some examples of excellent services from which others can learn. We were truly privileged to be hosted by the diabetes teams who were so open about their diabetes services and so keen to see them improved. So I'd like to thank them and I'd like to thank the GERF team who helped us deliver this report. And of course, I'd like to thank Partha who's been a fantastic co-lead. We both really believe that this report and its recommendations, if followed, will make a major difference to the lives of people with diabetes. So thanks, Jerry, for that. Much appreciated, as ever, eloquent and very, very clearly put as to where we are. Uh, what I don't want to do is spend a lot of time uh, going through, you know, issues that Jerry has mentioned. But I wanted to pick a couple of points. If you go to the recommendations, there's 15 of them. So I'll do a very quick run through some of them. So type 1 diabetes, lots of hospitals don't have a transition service. I don't think that's acceptable. If you have a hospital which provides pediatric service, how can you not have a transition service, especially in view of the data, whereby we got more admissions in the age groups from 18 upwards, we have to have that. Hospitals need to have young adult services. It's a specific skill. and need to work with clinicians to try and make that happen in the pediatric space. Um, does it happen already? Some amazing examples. Liverpool, led by Reza Zaidi, Fulia Meta. You got in Poole, Mike Masting, Joe Dalton. Great work going on. Look at them. Some of the examples are in the document. No reason we can't do it. Next one. Well, uh, training and technology. Uh, could we do better in the training and technology space? Well, if in, in this present world of type 1 diabetes, not to have staff being aware of a technology advance, not to be aware even of that the benefit of pumps, well, 
we need to have that. There's no question about it. And good steps already being made on that front with uh, the launch of the new uh, tool called Academy, which is a free online way of uh, education. So that is something which uh, all professionals delivering type 1 diabetes should be uh, looking at, in my view. Structured education, again, a well, well repeated thing. There isn't one way of delivering structured education. Uh, there is a digital way nowadays that you can do it online. You can do face to face, which is difficult in these COVID times, but not having an option in 2020, uh, whereby we are moving away categorically from the fact that you have to have a face to face has to open up the doors more for structured education, especially when we are saying that without structured education, you can't get a access to a pump, which in itself needs to be debated. But if we have this in place, then we can't use that as a barrier. If we have to give people option and access to pumps, then we also have to provide the structured education on time with it. And then you look at other things like having downloads of data, which is where devices like Diasyn come into play. We need to look into that. Further on, inpatient care, Hospitals not having inpatient diabetes teams in 2020 with all the data uh, problems around it, insulin errors, completely unrealistic and unacceptable. When people say that they don't have money, well, that's not quite accurate because there is now dedicated money to improving inpatient safety, to hire nurse colleagues or indeed look at the role of pharmacists, hospitals which had pharmacists doing some amazing work in hospital safety. And those teams should be in a position to be meeting regularly, discussing errors, improving care. If the majority of hospitals can do it, look at examples around the country, such as Derby, you have uh, Southampton, Leicester, fabulous examples. If one part of the NHS can do it, so can everybody else. Fully intend to look at data which shows which hospitals don't have inpatient diabetes teams and bring the question to bear as to why that is the case. Other areas like reducing incident errors, how can you not be, have a self-management policy? People who are compostmentous or with it, and if they have diabetes, absolutely they should have full control of their diabetes. Why wouldn't you? Having perioperative pathways, why wouldn't you have a standardized way of doing it? Going to hospitals and finding out that you don't have a pathway where people are going to surgery in 2020, that is unrealistic. That is something that we must do better as specialists. And why not? And why can't we ask others to do the same thing? Finally, some other points, especially on foot care. Again, money available uh, to have multidisciplinary foot teams. If you don't have one, you don't have the standards as set, then you must have that. And I think thereby comes the whole concept of the vascular services, which I'm set up as hub and spoke, how you liaise with them. Some great examples in the document looking at areas which have indeed done really well. And I think there are examples there which we need to emulate. Same NHS, same issues with money. And again, if you have delivered it, then why not? couple of things which I wanted to mention finally at the end, which was mostly around procurement and medicines optimization. Very big words, but we need to, as an NHS, look better as to how we look at procuring blood glucose strips, anti-diabetes agents, uh, oral anti-diabetic agents. We can do better as a, uh, a system and thereby saving some money to help it into other areas. So, in short, have a look at the report. It's publicly available. Some great examples of care in there. Some great data to worry around variation, but that is something we must improve. Now, what I can assure you as somebody who uh, likes targets and likes getting things you know, done if one puts as a goal, I do not think we should have any more debate as to whether we should have a transition service. I do not think we should have a debate with as to whether people should be trained in doing technology or whether hospitals should have inpatient teams. These are beyond debates. So I fully intend to make that happen, along with my colleague Jerry Raymond, fully intend to make sure it's public 
and people should be aware where hospitals don't have it. If money is not a barrier, as with inpatient teams and foot teams, then what is the barrier? We have to have to find that out. So thank you to everybody for listening to this exciting times ahead in diabetes care. And no reason uh, 2021 post all this COVID and everything is not something to look forward to. To put it very simply, there were three areas that the GERF looked at. And if I can break it down, hospital safety. We must make hospitals much more safer places than they are in some areas. There are some great practices, great examples, but we need to get there. People need to feel safe when they get admitted. Similarly, foot care. There needs to be a standard so that amputations can go down and hospitals have to try and achieve that. And finally, type 1 diabetes care. If hospitals are providing it, they need to provide it to a certain standard. Submit their audit data. A lot of hospitals don't submit audit data. How do you know how you're doing till you've submitted the data? Specialists need to play uniformly. And if you can't deliver type 1 diabetes to a standard, don't find time to do professional development and you have other priorities, which is absolutely fine, then we need to look at what we do for those local patients. And I think it's important and it's time we address these. There's been a lot of focus, a lot of time dedicated to primary care, what they need to improve. But it's now time for specialists as well to cut across the variation, provide good quality care to people under their care. So I'll leave it at that. Interesting times ahead, exciting times ahead, whichever way you put it. But I hope this audit and this particular report finally gives some light as to where we are at and what we have to improve. Lots of good things happening in the NHS and diabetes care. But as uh, the report shows, lots of to improve too. Important bit is consistency. And there is no reason I believe we cannot do it. So looking forward to all the support and help along the journey. And finally, I'll finish with this. It has been an absolute joy going around the country, I must say, meeting some amazing colleagues. Some of the stuff, you know, some of the stuff we have seen, they're not even on the radar, but oh my God, people being quiet and getting on with the job, doing some amazing work and so much kudos to so many people along the journey. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience. And hopefully we can keep working together to do some good work across the country. Catch you all next month in the next podcast. Till then. Music.